Welcome back. Episode five, the Get Ready Podcast. My name is Josh. I'm here as always with my co-host Grant. Grant, how you doing? I'm awesome, man. Welcome back. We episode five, Bitcoin. The uh the listeners yeah. asked for it. So this week you're getting it. Bitcoin, baby. Yeah, Bitcoin. We got a great thread here. We're just gonna roll through. We got some questions that people generally ask us about Bitcoin. We're both Bitcoiners. We hold we're hodlers. Um, so we're just gonna bang it out here and let's just break into hey. What is Bitcoin? Grant, what does that mean to you? Sure. You know, we labeled, we, we ironed it out in our thread uh, a couple of days ago about how it's digital money, but that's just like the technical way of saying it. Really, the basic, really what it is basically is just currency, the digital currency. It's just like the US dollar or euro. That's really what it is. It's just a form of currency. But the way I describe it to most people, so I just say, like, hey, think of gold, like an actual bar of gold. If you have an ounce of gold, uh, I think gold's going for like $2,000 right now for an ounce. Then you're just worth $2,000 more if you have a bar of gold on you or in your house or in your safe. You'll never actually go to the store. You won't buy milk or, or cereal or ice cream with that bar of gold. You just hold it and it just adds to your net worth. We just think of Bitcoin as the same exact thing. Literally the same thing, only in a digital world. It's more of a store of value. You have Bitcoin as a store of value or a fraction of Bitcoin. That's the way to grow your net worth. Uh, that's that's kind of how I say it in a really common way. What about you? I, I tell people because what they're really trying to ask is like, well, what is it? They're trying to act. They're asking what the tangible value of it is. So I tell them it's magic internet money. So let's just get that off the table. It, it's <laughs> money. It's a digital asset that just sits out there. You own a piece of code on the internet that nobody else can replicate, right? So that's what I tell them and. What is Bitcoin and what can it do for us? There's a lot of different things and I call it digital gold. So kind of to your point, the easiest thing is it's just digital gold. It's a scarce asset. It's a store of value that you sit on your, um, that yeah sits in a wallet of yours and you can trade it like a security. So you can sell it. It's very uh, liquid. You can always go into the market and there's always, you can always sell your Bitcoin anytime you want for fiat cash to transact it. So that's, that's my kind of quick elevator pitch. And that wasn't a very, this is a long elevator ride, by the way. It is, yeah. I mean, the source of code that you mentioned too. I, I've started on that pitch before and, and people just rolled their eyes like, ah, I'm out. I don't even know what that means. So I'm like, all right, man, try to think of gold. Just try to think yeah. of something that you know of and, and just relate it to a digital way. Yeah, that's the thing is like when people ask what is Bitcoin, they're like, they're trying to ask, like, oh, I get it. I can see behind their eyes what Bitcoin's is, but they're like, well, what is it? Like, what can, what can I hold? What can, well, you can't hold it. Like, you don't, but you don't need to. You don't hold the money in your bank account and you just, it's yours. It's just a digital number that says, like, I'm entitled to this much money. Yeah, just like your bank account, right? Just like Chase or Wells Fargo, you look at your money. I know there's money in the bank. I get that. But when you pull up the app, you're like, ah, it says you have $1,000 in your bank account. That, that's basically Bitcoin on its own free market uh currency fluctuating with a lot of different variables yeah yeah so, so like okay. i i usually go digital digital gold is what i typically if i'm really trying to keep it simple digital gold gold is what for boomers and then digital gold is for like the gen zers and millennials right it's our new version of it yeah <laughs> exactly all right well then let me ask you this then i guess what makes it valuable yeah people always ask like, well, why is it valuable? Well, why is gold valuable? Why is the U S dollar valuable? It's because we believe it's worse. It's worse money. Like, um, copper is valuable. It's, it's a little different because it's actually used in conductivity. Steel's valuable because it's used to make things. Um, you know, gold's valuable because it does go into jewelry and it does make things, but largely its main purpose is a store of value. Um, a store of value simply means like, I guess we'll talk about that later, but, um, 
gold's valuable because of its stock to flow ratio, which is a fancy word of saying it is scarce. You cannot make gold easily in this world. Like they've tried alchemy, like it doesn't work. So it's scarce. So Bitcoin is scarce because there's only 21 million. And then it's also a large network. And if you kind of understand network effects and Metcalf's law, which we highly suggest looking into, um, it's a large network that is growing that of, of people who want to have a peer to peer, uh, you know, value of, or of, of a way to, to transact peer to peer without any other intermediaries. What about you? What do you think? Yeah, we mentioned in our in our thread too, like values just derived from supply and demand, basic economics. And there's mm-hmm. if there's only twenty one million of it, you know, once they're all claimed, you know, through the years, like anything, it'll just eventually become more valuable. So twenty one million is the magic number. I mean, that's our favorite number, clearly. But we all <laughs> yeah. did mention, you know, when you talked about scarcity, you did mention there's a couple of things in scarce that that to ensure scarcity was the having and the difficulty adjustment. Uh, the having is kind of technical for for beginners, but it's something important that you should know. Uh, something we learned the having just happened recently it's for anybody out there beginners bitcoin having event is just really uh, is when the reward for mining bitcoin transactions is cut in half so this event also just cuts in half bitcoin's inflation rate and the rate in which new bitcoins enter the circulation and if you can identify this date to the exact time i mean if you go on google right now and say when's the next bitcoin having it'll say 2024 when's the last bitcoin going to be mined 2040 so I, i just so let me let me expand on this real quick so the reason why Bitcoin, in our opinion, is more valuable, like just think in the U.S. alone, we're printing like trillions of dollars in relief and stimulus payments to bail out people and businesses, right or wrong. You know, we're not here to tell you if it's right or wrong, but it still changes the trajectory of fiat currency through inflation and deflation through that method. So like, money is just kind of slanted into the hands of the powerful, whoever's in charge. Bitcoin doesn't have anybody in charge, and that's a form of why it's valuable. Yeah, what I like to to say people, I was at a party this weekend and we were talking about Bitcoin and, and I was like, how many people got stimulus checks? And everybody raised their hand. Where did those come from? <laughs> like that, that just manifested out of thin air. And, you know, I think we're at, if you look at the federal receipt you know, balance sheet or federal reserve balance sheet, which you can same thing, you can Google this and learn all about it. It's growing at an astronomical rate. Um, but value. Yeah. The, the scarcity is what really drives value. Like you think about like paintings, paintings, for example, like Van Gogh's and Picasso's, like they're valuable because they're scarce and they're held in private possession. So you can't get it. Like, so you can't go out and find another Van Gogh. You can't find another Claude Monet painting out there. So when they hit the market, people are like, Oh, I'm willing to pay more because there's fewer of them out there. And then the big thing is like, you know, so the having is one thing that, you know, every 10 minutes a block gets mined. Um, well, it used to be, what, 12 and a half Bitcoin, and now it's 6.25. So basically the supply, which is another way of, is this, the simple way, the growing supply or the stock to flow ratio. So gold has a stock to flow ratio of like 50. Well, Bitcoins is now 50. So it's got similar value in terms of a stock to flow ratio, basically meaning stock is what is existing. Flow is new um, material created. So flow is what... Uh, what gold is being mined every year. And, and it's the same process as, you know, Bitcoin, this is what's being mined. So really interesting. And then the, the fancy, then the next part of it to make sure again, that it doesn't hit too much and it's not too easily mined is the difficulty adjustment. So every two weeks, basically, depending on the flow of Bitcoin, um, 
from how hard it is to mine and create that and how much energy is spent, the difficulty uh, will adjust. So like the highest difficulty ever was when um, Bitcoin was 18,000, right? Because everyone was trying to mine it. So they're dumping a lot of extra resources into it. Uh, it takes more and more energy and that's the difficulty adjustment. Those, those are two really, really interesting things that make sure that Bitcoin stays scarce. Those are our cornerstones and what we're, we're harping on. I mean, a lot of things can make anything valuable from 21 million finite ceiling to those. So, yeah, I mean, the key word you mentioned there was scarcity. That's, that's, that's really the, the word that we're going to run, run with, you know, why does scarcity matter? Uh, I could start with saying, you know, Bitcoin is scarce due to its finite amount and the 21 million. That's been established. But let me venture off a little and, and give our listeners a more like, what would you say, it's like a relatable example, example of scarcity. Uh, in the real world, scarcity is just a word that means rare. It's rare because it just has a finite ceiling. There's only so much of it. So real world examples of this would be, you know, Joshua, me and you were younger. I don't know if you got into it, like Pokemon cards, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Weird example. But if you had a first edition Pokemon card when you were young, you were the man. But now I think it's 2020. I think Pokemon started in what, 19, like 99, 2000, maybe a little earlier. I'm getting older. But uh, it was, as an adult, it's a it's a great arbitrage means to go sell pokemon cards if you have first editions they're probably worth thousands of dollars now back then when they were just starting it at two three four bucks you'd go with that go on the playground and just be trading with other kids yeah. uh, if you own those now they're scarce a first edition pokemon card just doesn't exist anymore it exists it's just not being printed anymore um, mm-hmm. that's just a small example i mean there's a lot of examples i talk about all the time we love to drink right uh, pappy van winkle is a is a, a bourbon that comes out. I think they have like 7,000 cases a year, 84,000 bottles. That's all that they make. And then they just sell it to top dollar to whoever they want. Uh, a good example of this in my industry in sports, uh, Dave Tepper, who bought the Carolina Panthers, what is this, like two years ago for about $2.2 billion. Uh, he bought it from a guy named Jerry Richardson who bought it in 1993 for about $206 million. So you could see how much money was made over that lifespan. Just think there's only 32 teams. So the longer you own a team, the more valuable it is. It's essentially Bitcoin 101. It's a great relatable example. What do you think? Yeah, I think I I always go more into the finance side. So I think that's an awesome example of kind of what you did. Um, Again, it goes back to the painting example. At the end of the day, money is being printed. If you just look at mathematics, one over 21 million, that value would never change. But one over what we just had at six trillion of the money supply out of thin air. Like, so how much less is your dollar worth? Now, it doesn't affect it like immediately in spending in like prices, but you will see it over time. And it kind of does affect certain prices immediately, like assets. Assets tend to, you know, if you look at when the money started printing what did the stock market do what have housing prices done like it's crazy people are out of jobs and the stock market's going crazy because when money is printed a lot of things are devalued and it goes into what's um it goes into a lot of assets real quickly and then eventually we'll start to see it in our everyday lives and our in our consumer products yeah but it, yeah i agree with that but it's a, but it is in everyday lives i mean it's it's as simple as well, me and you were living together, right? And we like, hey man, let's go, uh, let's go to a house party. And we go there, and there's like 32 dudes and two girls, and one of the girls is a five, and one of the girls is a seven. But there's two girls, so we're like, ah, oh, they're both tens. Clearly, there's 32 guys and two girls. So, yeah. who's gonna let? Who's gonna? Who's gonna get a number? So, I mean, that's scarcity, really. If there's less of something, it's worth more. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's a good, a really good point. I didn't get either um, of their numbers, so that's all right. I failed. <laughs> Hypothetical. Oh my wife. That's all right. I think, I think it worked out for you. <laughs> I think it worked out. Um, 
But yeah, so it's just like you, you don't necessarily see like immediately inflation when the money is printed, but you will see it over time. And that's kind of where we're at. And Federal Reserve just came out and said, we're going to ramp up inflation. Like what? You're going to make things cost more and we're, gonna, we're all getting paid less? Like that doesn't make any sense. Like, so. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're right. You're not going to see it right away, but you, it's hard to forecast that though. Like I just saw, I shared something with you the other day where a lot of banks are, are reducing credit limits on credit cards because uh-huh. they're afraid of it. It's that's a, that's a real effect of it. Everyone thinks, uh-huh. oh, inflation milk's going to be $12. I haven't seen it. Well, that's, you know, there's an election that's going to happen and wait three, four years. You're, you'll see it. Nope. Yeah, the velocity of money is something that's happening that's going way down right now. And that's going to have long-term effects because credit is a form of money creation, right? Mm-hmm. If I sign up and you give me grant $20,000 and I got to pay you 400 bucks back a, a month until I pay that back, that's new money that was created out of thin air, but it has a cost to it. Um, so yeah, that's, has- that, that's our quick scarcity. I really liked uh, your example of the two chicks at the party is the primo <laughs> Yeah, I mean, scarcity and value. So, all right. Um, so I get asked this question a lot. Where can you spend Bitcoin? Talk to me. How do you handle that one? Yeah, let me give you a short answer. A lot of places. I mean, it's pretty ubiquitous at this point. I mean, you type into Google and you'll find a ton of recognizable companies like Subway to Etsy to Expedia, right? Those are companies, you know, Uh, people ask this question all the time and we respond with everywhere, but you should really just hold it. We talk about scarcity above and, and why holding something uh, with finite value only goes up with price over time. But if you, if you can be patient and disciplined holding it over the next I don't know, foreseeable future, it will pay, pay itself back tenfold. So you could spend it in a lot of places, but we recommend holding it. Yeah. And like when I say that, when people ask me that, they're saying it tongue in cheek. Like, oh, where, where can you even use this at? Okay, well, where can you use gold at? Oh, you're not going to Starbucks and shaving off gold, you know, to get to get a latte. No, you don't like Bitcoin can be used essentially anywhere because you can transfer it into fiat immediately. You know, what I tell people to do is spend on your credit card, get the credit card points. And then when you go to pay off your bill, sell your Bitcoin, pay off your bill. Like, and then, but you should be saving in Bitcoin. Um, so that's kind of like your safety net and well, not your true safety net, but it is a savings vehicle because it's a store of value. Simple way to explain store of value, like gold has been a store of value for, for ages, like one, one ounce of gold has always been able to buy you a nice suit, no matter what year it was, no matter, you know, what time frame. So back in the Roman days, ounce of gold, you were doing pretty well. Today, if you have an ounce of gold, it's 2000 bucks, still pretty well. I don't, I don't really like the, the like, how, where can you spend it? Because you could tell people who start to follow Bitcoin realize what five six years ago i think 2017 in december is when it shot up but there's people in 2015 who you know bought a pizza with 40 bitcoins and that that person's just you know stabbing himself in the back right now if you just watch the history of how people spent it you realize that yeah spending it's not what you should be doing you should be holding it because it can grow and grow and grow and eventually i mean the winkle this weekend came out with a a thread that said it's gonna be worth five hundred thousand in the near future so i mean i think if you if you're looking to spend it uh i i don't know why you should see everything around you saying hold it because it's just going to continue to grow like a home you know you have a home at four hundred thousand. Six years later it's at six hundred thousand. that's kind of what you're doing you just hold it so it's just worth more eventually when you sell it because you think it's at that price that you want to sell it at like a stock exactly yep so all right well now i don't want to spend it how, how do i buy bitcoin 
So people ask, how do you buy Bitcoin? This one's kind of an easy one. It's a super easy one. This question is more than what app or wallet should I use to buy it? Because that's really what it is. Buying it's easy. You can buy it from anywhere from Cash App to, to a Gemini to Coinbase or even Robinhood if you wanted to or any other feature acting as a brokerage account or a digital wallet, a hard wallet as well. I would say understand the difference between buying on a brokerage account and buying directly to a wallet will provide you with like a passcode or a key phrase. I don't know what the technical term is. There's a lot of different ones that just gives you access to your Bitcoin. Yeah. I recommend the latter of a hard wallet or a digital wallet. I wouldn't buy it on a, a brokerage account like Robinhood because you don't actually have the key phrase or passcode to it. So you don't own your own Bitcoin. But buying it through those apps is you're buying it still. Yeah, you could still buy it and have exposure to the upside, but I definitely wouldn't buy it on like a Robinhood. Cash App is okay. Yeah, Cash App is probably one of the best ones. Mm -hmm. Gemini and Coinbase are real popular. Um, but yeah, the best place to hold it with, in the crypto community, they say, not your keys, not your coin. Um, and what that means is there's a public key and a private key. Your private key is like your access to the blockchain, right? So that's basically what it is. And keep them on them. There's like ledgers, there's Trezor, Treaser, Ledger cold cart wallet is a good one um so yeah. i yeah buy them on like it's easy to buy them on cash app and gemini and then you just buy them and then you send them from there to your hard hard wallet yeah it's never been easier i mean it's it's you google it and you can find 20 options right away i mean buying it, it shouldn't be an issue if it's a barrier to entry then i, I would just say don't even get into it guys it's that's probably the easiest way it's just <laughs> i'm gonna just take account. you on a little segue i found uh there's a place where you can buy options on bitcoin so that's where I'm interested. That. That's a that's level two. Maybe we do Bitcoin two thread. Yeah. We'll talk about buying options on Bitcoin and the altcoins and that yeah. all together. They're all crazy, but they're doing something right. Yeah. So how about this? How can I afford a Bitcoin? What Bitcoin's price today is? I think eleven seven, eleven six at the oh, look at look at eleven seven right now. God, I love that currency. It fluctuates twenty four seven, unlike the stock market. Uh, <laughs> how can I how can I afford Bitcoin? Anyone can afford Bitcoin if if they have the means. We alluded to above through you know. Cash App, Gemini, Coinbase, Robinhood, mm -hmm. to name a few. Uh, you know, Bitcoin could be bought. I think that the one thing that Bitcoin did uh, that helped a lot of different areas is it could be bought on a fractional basis. You don't actually have to buy Bitcoin at would you say eleven six, eleven seven right now? I just say yep. twelve to round it up. Like you don't have to have, you don't have to buy Bitcoin at twelve thousand dollars anymore. You can literally buy it at fifty dollars. This doesn't yeah. get enough attention. Bitcoin really pioneered this concept into a lot of things. Like, look at stocks and how you buy them now. I go on my Robinhood account the other day. It's like, hey, you, you can buy now Amazon on a fractional basis. You want Tesla? You can buy a fraction of Tesla. This kind of all happened through the blockchain world of Bitcoin. This, this was introduced. So Bitcoin pioneered. How can I afford it? Well, if you just want 50 bucks of Bitcoin, put 50 bucks of Bitcoin in and it'll you know, inflate or deflate accordingly. Yeah. It's very fungible. That's what we call it. That's mm -hmm. what the fancy term is. If that's the Jeopardy term for uh, divisible money, you know, it's fung. It's very fungible. What does fungible mean? I'm, I'm, fungible I'm, means it can be. It's highly divisible, meaning um, you can break down Bitcoin into a hundred million parts, which are called satoshis, right? So you could buy you could buy one dollar worth of Bitcoin right now. I just bought fifty. That was what I was doing over here. Is I just decided what you were talking about. <laughs> like, I bought fifty dollars worth of Bitcoin. Like it's that easy. Like I went on Cash App, I said 50, here you go, bought it, done. So I always tell people, we were talking this weekend with a bunch of people, I'm like, all right, do you have 10 bucks a paycheck, 20 bucks a paycheck, 50 bucks a week? Like, all right, quit going to Chipotle four times. All right, no no more Chipotle, save instead in Bitcoin and have an asset that will return you some value. Yeah, add it to your disposable income, like anything. Instead of buying you know, asparagus water at Whole Foods, why don't you just save that 10 bucks? water though. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> 
but does that water <laughs> is a good water is that water going to translate into twenty thousand dollars later in life maybe probably no. not it'll probably go extinct before bitcoin does so yeah just just save yourself 25 bucks a paycheck that you were going to spend otherwise and put it into bitcoin and you'd be surprised after a year or two of doing this how much money you have and how it's grown over time and you didn't waste it on uh whatever you're wasting it on asparagus water i don't think that's a waste though i think asparagus water is prime you know primo i'm okay with, i'm gonna tell you i've never had i've never had asparagus water i'm sure just pure amount of water does it <laughs> I'm out. I'm you out. couldn't sell me. All right. So, water. well, Grant, it's already 12,000. It's already went up, you know, incredible amounts since, you know, the inception of 2009. Is it too late? What do you, what do you say that? I would say absolutely not. It's only been in what? It's only been alive or in the market or, you know, since its inception for what, 10 years. It's, it's clearly still young in its growth stages and it hasn't really mastered the art of universal adoption. I mean, me, you, I, if I was to say 100 people out there go ask them about Bitcoin, I bet you like what, four to five, maybe 10 people wouldn't know. That shows you that it's just not really hasn't really picked up steam yet. So the yeah. the price is just a long way to grow. I mean, the last Bitcoin won't even be mined until twenty forty. So that twenty one million won't even be breached until at least twenty one twenty forty. So the way the price is won't really ever get to its ceiling until after twenty four twenty forty. That's twenty years. And so the demand no, actually twenty one forty. 2140 is it 2140 even better right further my point you can still buy it while it's still being mined until the last one's mined it still has a lot of value and it will still have value after that it's one of those things if there's a finite ceiling to it like we talked about scarcity it will just never reach its full potential because people will want it and want it and want it the more valuable it gets the more you what there's 7 billion people on earth until all of them understand what bitcoin is 2140 there might be like 20 billion people on earth It'll be more essentially scary. i think like the money supply or like assets there's like 30 to 70 trillion dollars that it could potentially eclipse you know that's what bitcoin could be you know gold what did i say gold is nine trillion right now so if you just look yeah. at like where bitcoin's at around 200 billion and at nine trillion that's there's 40 there's 40 40 x returns so 40 times your money right now so if you bought ten thousand dollars in bitcoin i mean it could potentially be you know four hundred thousand dollars um in the coming years honestly because as it eclipses gold like gold as a store of value performs um poorly against every feature of bitcoin you know <laughs> um you know being fungible uh being transportable being you know divisible is fungible um being able to send it across the world you know in a matter of moments so yeah but i mean um, blockchain is just getting started too right it's not even too late i mean blockchain hasn't even matured in the way it's being used right now uh, right now it's being used in finances wait till every industry in the world starts to create blockchain well block, blockchains are actually inherently expensive so they actually the, the best form is actually for money for public money um, to reduce all the middlemen in there and yeah yeah I mean, but even when you set them up, I mean, it's still still pretty early in the process. I mean, 10 yeah. years of Bitcoin is nothing, man. How long has the American dollar been around for? I don't know. USD, I mean, the, the system since like uh, 1940, whatever, Bretton Woods. There's another Jeopardy factory. Look up the Bretton Woods agreement. <laughs> There's another Jeopardy factory. Yeah. I would have lost that oh. Jeopardy. Right, but uh, all right. So can people like steal it or hack it? Like what's what's the deal there? Uh, I mean, yes and no. You know, part of that skepticism around Bitcoin is just like that, that what if, like, what if someone comes in and steals it from me? If you actually have your key phrase or passcode that we talked about above, as long as you never give that out to somebody, no, they cannot, they cannot steal or hack that. But if you leave it on an exchange, because what Josh talked about, you're, you're buying something else with it, or you're, 
you're leveraging it, you're trading options with it. If that exchange gets hacked, yeah, you'll lose it and then you'll never get it back because it's not backed by anything. So just imagine like your money's in a bank, right? And two robbers come in and they steal money out of the vault. If, if that was Bitcoin, your Bitcoin's gone. But, you know, the money, obviously, if they steal it out of the vault, it's it's insured by the FD. It, uh, was up to $250,000. It's FD insured. So Bitcoin's not like that. But the way to, the only way to steal or hack someone's Bitcoin is to actually take your password or your key phrase and use it against you. If they never keep that, I would, I would tell you right now, if you have a passcode or a key phrase, do not put it anywhere electronically. Write it down on a piece of paper. Put it in a lockbox. Put it somewhere where no one will ever touch it. Because you can lose your like hardware wallet. All you got to do is type in that key phrase again when you buy a new one and it populates again. Yep. Oh, absolutely. Um, what, what do you hear a lot in the crypto community, more specifically the Bitcoin community? It's like, not your keys, not your coin. So again, like if you're leaving it on an exchange, even if you're leaving it on um, like Cash App, if you're trusting that Cash App has the security that they will not get it stolen from them. Um, and what basically people can do is they can hack into like cash app. So the Mt. Gox, if you research, if you know about Bitcoin at all, Mt. Gox was the early exchange that everybody used. And back in like 2012 or 2014 or something, Mt. Gox got hacked and basically someone left their passcode out and they were able to get into the back end of the system and sent all the Bitcoin out to another wallet. So that's what it means by getting hacked. Now people are like, well, what about quantum computing and won't that like destroy the mining algorithm? And, and again, it, good question, but it won't because we go back to that two week difficulty adjustment. So if computers are mowing down the, the, uh, the algorithm and they're just chewing it up and really spitting out Bitcoin really quickly, you'll find that the difficulty adjustment ramps up. So it nullifies the, the ability of the quantum compute computer. Yeah, I would. Yeah, no, for sure. I think stealing and hacking, same thing, really. It's just taking from you. It's it's a hard concept because you feel like, yeah, anybody can steal and hack anything, and, and you're kind of right. It's the most way, the easiest way people get scammed. I would say is a better word for it is when you look on Twitter and people are like, if you give me one Bitcoin, I'll give you ten in return, and it puts you to some landing page with like Coinbase's just brand all over it. People just kind of get scammed into it. It's, no one actually physically went into their hardware wall and stole it. They got scammed in a way that they had to send it to somebody and obviously they didn't get anything in return. That's really just a, a really high level form of just taking someone's money. Yeah. I actually don't even believe that people actually send those, you know, those like, Hey, send me Bitcoin. I'll send you some back. Like, I don't believe yeah. that that actually even happens. I think it's like them sending money to show it. Oh yeah. People are sending this money. You know, and it was like, what, $200,000 went to that um, Bitcoin address when like Joe Biden and everybody got hacked yeah. or something, <laughs> which is hilarious. But um, Yeah, it's more of a scam, less stealing and hacking because you physically still have to do it. They can't do it from you. It's like when someone's like, what's the passcode that was just sent to you for your, yeah. your chase? But, but, Pink. Yeah. They need to have that. But going back to the, the thing, it's like, it can't get like, it can't get stolen or hacked unless you leave your wallet out. So if you're going to leave your wallet on the table in a public spot, you know, just like in real life, they can get stolen. So, um, next point you made, you made this, we've talked about this a couple of times. What is the blockchain? People always ask me like, oh, what, what is, I don't even know what the blockchain is. What does that even mean? What is the blockchain? To me, this is probably the single most valuable aspect of Bitcoin. It's just an open source digital ledger that shows where all the money in cryptocurrency world is going at all times. You know, blockchain technology, uh, it's just created more efficiencies in every industry uh, that we've ever 
ever known. You know, it, it reduces fraud, human error, and small missteps that cost company millions of dollars. So uh, to me, it's just an open source digital ledger where people could look and see where everything's happening, specifically the finances. That's, that's how I would explain it. Yeah, I think it's a pretty good explanation. The one analogy I heard is like the blockchain is kind of like, all right, let's say we were playing a game of Monopoly, right? And then, um, so all the transactions, right? We're passing go, we're, we're trading properties, we're selling, we're paying rent, we're buying. Um, all those transactions are basically being copied down on a digital ledger or not a digital ledger, but like we're writing all that down. Mm-hmm. Well, that's actually the blockchain. That's all it is. Yeah. It's like, all right, Grant did this. Grant, Josh did this. Grant did that. Is that that's all the blockchain is, is just we're tracking everything and anyone can see it. Like you can fire up a node, which is a more advanced section. So maybe we will have to do a Bitcoin too. Um, but running a node basically allows you to see, okay, where's all the money? Who has it? Like you can't see, I can't see that grant has it, but I can see that wallet three, nine N F F F six Y has, you know, three Bitcoin, you know, from this transfer back in 2012, something like that. Yeah, exactly. That That's, that's what I would run with. This is a great, it's a great point. I mean, just think of like, I didn't even think of that monopoly is a good example, but when we go a little bit further, like you're writing down everyone's transactions in real time during the game. And then we all can see what those transactions are. So, you ever play like Monopoly and I'm Josh, this is probably you who, whoever wants to be the banker, that guy always cheats, right? Like the banker kind of oversees <laughs> the money and he distributes when you get it. And you know, he's got to be fairly honest. Well, everyone gets to oversee this now and they get to keep the banker accountable. Think of it that way. So, you know, Josh wants to be the banker and now he's got a lot of people looking at him. Like, well, we can see that too. I want my 200. <laughs> yeah. So there's no right. need for a banker anymore. I mean, there is, but everyone, there's more checks and balances. Yeah, I mean, kind of actually your point, one of the reasons for Bitcoin is you don't need bankers anymore. You don't need banks. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of one of the nice features is you and I can transact between each other. Um, and there's great like tools coming out there um, that are like uh, like Lightning Network, a strike is a cool little like, so you and I can transact, transact in seconds because that's one problem with Bitcoin. It's a little slow, but yeah. Lightning Network and then the stripe, the strike at like balls and strikes strike. Um really good app that allows us to conduct business over the lightning network in Bitcoin, but it looks shows up to you and I at USD. So that's something that's pretty powerful. I don't know. I just, it's a little segue. No, that. I appreciate that though. Let's go on that for a second. Like, okay, we, we could trade together. So there's no bank between Josh and I, we're going to give each other, I'm going to give Josh a hundred thousand dollars through Bitcoin. Like how quickly would it get to you? Would be a question. A hundred thousand dollars is like a really, that's a good question on that. It'd probably get to you. Like we, it would get to me immediately, Yeah, but we need the nodes to confirm that you have the money, right? Mm-hmm. The nodes on the network, the confirmations are going to say, yes, Grant has it. And yes, we can confirm that it went to Josh's wallet. So that'll take about for the confirmation about 30 minutes. So, but that's, that's phenomenal, right? 30 minutes. So yeah, think of two things, make sure when you have the money, a bank, you ever, I mean, I can tell you this. I remember when I was like 20 going to a bar and I had like, I don't know, I probably had like 18 bucks in my bank account and I just swipe my debit card and take 20 out. Even though I didn't have $20 in there, I only had $18 that gave it to me. And you know, the next morning you have like $35 transaction fee and overage fee for $80. So you're paying way more on the back end. Bitcoin won't even allow you to transfer it if you don't have it. And then, <laughs> that's funny. So yeah. there's, there's none of that. So yeah, I mean, that's, that's an easy way of doing it too. I, I mean, hundred thousand dollars in thirty minutes is incredible. Think of when I got a check, my first paycheck from like a, from a cashier, and it was like six hundred bucks. And I went to my bank. I didn't even see it in my bank account for three days. This is thirty minutes at a level that I, of money that I, I couldn't even fathom when I was sixteen. 
Yeah, I think I have a I have a great like real life business example. So we're trying to set up a new consumer and we want them to do cash in advance because we're not going to give them credit because they're a very small player. So essentially they say, we need you to pay us $10,000 before we send you the load. So what he has to do is he has to drive to the bank. He has to get approval. He sends it. Then the wire takes another day or two. He's got to pay 25 bucks in fees. Uh, Bitcoin, you're probably like five to $10 maybe on $100,000, but he's got to pay fees, but then it takes us like three days for it to get it. And then I have to call the accountants and be like, Hey, where's this money at? And it's like, well, we're checking the bank accounts. We don't see it yet. We don't see it yet. We don't see it yet. And I'm like, um, okay, well, Bitcoin solves this. Bitcoin speeds up business transactions in a way that will, th this is where I see a lot of value when you talk about transacting businesses through Bitcoin is like, cause the transactions are so much faster for those large sums of money. I mean, as a company like us, we're doing millions of dollars transacting internationally. Like, okay, great. We just do it over the blockchain, Bitcoin. And we are, no, oh, yep, they got the money. Come on, go ahead. We'll do it. Yeah, we'll send you, we'll send you the scrap. We expect payment in 30 days or whatever. And there's no, gov and there's no governance of that. So if Josh and I are operating at this high level, imagine like, you know, $10 million. Imagine if you just wanted to just take $20 million, $10 million out of your bank account tomorrow. You, you, know, oh, many phone, you know how many phone calls you would get from like, are you sure the bank and does the bank even have that much money on them? They got to transfer it. I mean, 10 million is not that much, but the idea is like, they just won't let you do it. I mean, they'll eventually let you do it once that you go tooth and nail and fight for it in real. I mean, they know it's your money, but they don't want you to take that money out. And there's a lot of, there might be a fee involved. Like that, that's, that's just all ridiculous steps. And Bitcoin literally solved. To your point, Bitcoin just solved it. There's like, yeah, Josh, you want a hundred thousand dollars, you want $10 million. Here you go. You'll see it in 30 to an hour. And there's literally nobody calling you saying, Hey man, you just $10 million. What's going on? None of that. Literally none of that. It's probably, it's probably the best value you can get for people who have a lot of money and transfer it to other people and it, yeah. you don't even have to tell anybody who you're transferring it to either you don't need yep. any anybody to tell you you can or can't it's your money yeah it's yeah. censorship resistant is one of the key phrases they use right because they can't tell you yeah if you go to the bank you got capital controls you can only take out like ten thousand dollars a day mm -hmm. and if you really wanted to get a million dollars you gotta get like sign off after sign off after sign off. It's, it's my money just let yeah. me do whatever I want with it. Right, it's garbage. <laughs> I don't need the Department of Treasury to sign off on the money that I own. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Well, let me ask you this question then, because this is something that gets asked to you a lot, probably not me. Like, isn't Bitcoin the MySpace of crypto? Yeah. So I, I got asked this this weekend. Well, isn't it like the first? So it's still really totally new. Like, well, Bitcoin is like, it solved a problem, right? So it solved the double spend problem, which is very incredible. Basically saying that, you know, you can't spend someone else's Bitcoin, Grant, and nobody else can just, you know, type in, hey, well, I have more money now, you know, like the Federal Reserve. Well, I got another seven million now. Um, so they can't double, you can't double spend it. So that was a, a problem it solved. But then more importantly, we, we talked about Metcalf's law and we talked about network effects. That's the thing that really drives Bitcoin. I mean, we're talking, I think I saw like 11, like some ridiculous amount of wallets are active like hey let me just i just want to look this up yeah i'll, I'll chime in while you're looking that up yeah you know, currency you know is bitcoin the MySpace of crypto i mean currencies aren't easy this isn't social media guys like currencies aren't easy to replace with another currency i mean it took bitcoin 10 years to get here uh something something won't just take it out overnight it owns too much real estate now in the financial stratosphere so you should be focused more on to your point networking effect of its like viral virality or viral viral ability it's Similar to fiat currency though, but Bitcoin's core functionality actually encourages its users to invite their friends to be users too. So the benefit of this is it makes the adoption process just cheap and fast. Yeah.
Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, when network effect is basically look at the telephone as an example. If I'm the only person in the world that has a telephone, like it's not very valuable because I can't call anybody, you know, and if two people have it, okay, it's kind of valuable, but they're really valuable when everyone has them. Like that's when they become incredibly good. Like Bitcoin's like valuable and, and useful. Like, you know, Grant, you have it, we could transact it and we're not going to, but the more and more people who have it, the more and more easier it is to do business. And like, oh, if everyone has it, then we all know we all have Bitcoin. So it's really easy. I can just go up to this person and say, hey, I want to, I saw, I, I want that t-shirt off your back. Can I buy it from you for 20 <laughs> bucks for, you know, 10 Satoshis? Yeah, here you go. Done. Um, so that's what happens is we all have it now. It's all acceptable. But um, also as more people use it, the more people buy it, that means the demand increases. So therefore the price will increase because supply is fixed. Like right now, so sorry, I went back and found some information. We're over 50 million wallets right now. Yeah. 50 million worldwide. Do you know what we were back in 2016? Um, I don't know, 20? 10. 10. So we've had a 5X increase from 2016. In four years. Yeah. In Q4 2017, it was a large jump, and that was the big run-up. But this is just slowly, slowly, slowly just climbed up. And if you look at the just increase in wallets, it, it kind of charts out the increase in price because it's more demand, fixed supply. Yeah, I like to relate this to maybe not to the demand supply because you just that you iron that out pretty well. I would say like think of Facebook guys. There's like 2.2 billion people in the world who have a Facebook account or, or one of their networks. So like when that Cambridge thing came out and everyone's like, Oh, delete Facebook. We're not going to use it. 2.2 billion people on earth own a form of Facebook's network effect, whether it's through Instagram, Facebook, WhatsApp, what have you literally you leaving will do nothing. It's too powerful at this point. It's too viral. Too many of its friends share it. Too many people are reliant on WhatsApp in China. Too many people are reliant on Facebook and Instagram in America and Canada. Like it's just not going away. So I think of Bitcoin more like Facebook in a sense where it's not MySpace. It's actually Facebook. It's, it's too big now at that point where you can't get rid of it. You can't just, every, every company is going out and say, we're not going to put our advertising on Facebook right now. Yeah, but you still have an account and you're still available to be interacted with whether you're paying for it or not. I know it's a kind of a tangent, but Bitcoin isn't MySpace. It's more Facebook where it's so big now. The only way to, to hurt it is if you uh, break it up from the U.S. government. But you can't do that with Bitcoin. Yeah, you can you can say go break it up and shut down all of it, but you, you can't stop me from using it. There's actually satellites exactly, yeah, in, yeah. The, in the air right now running the nodes. <laughs> so you can always link up to those anytime you want. Um, it's, it's incredible, really, what the community's done. And um, there's a famous like quote um, from um, Money Quote. Sorry, this is lovely audio. Uh, um, content but there's basically a quote like you know there's no way like you can't take the money from the government anyway you can't do it forcibly so you just have to peacefully take you know start to circumvent them like we are with bitcoin like we're just all saying hey i'm, I'm gonna buy bitcoin i'm gonna own it you know and then if i really need to do some business that I, the the banks will let me do all right here i got bitcoin and you and i can transact or even more importantly you're going to devalue the currency through inflation i'm protected because this is a, a fixed supply asset even even taking on a further like a more macro level like a thirty thousand foot view approach, you know, pandemic hit. Now you look at internet, and internet's probably an essential to what you need for Bitcoin. Internet internet's not going away. It went from being a luxury to an essential item now. Like it won't surprise me in what 
five to 10 years, the internet will just be like, a, like water. There'll just, just be internet everywhere you go. It won't be great internet, but everyone in, in America, at least to start, will probably have some basic form of internet. It'll probably be like AOL and dial up, but you'll have it. So once this pandemic hit and everyone had to go home and work, everyone started e what telecommuting and doing Zoom phone calls and all that. Like the internet has become an essential thing. That way, Bitcoin that runs off of the internet and some form of computer, right? Uh, it's just going to live forever and ever and ever. The internet's not going away. It's doubling down, tripling down, quadrupling down. Yeah, completely agree. And then like think about a lot of the transactions we do. I'm I'm kind of segueing here. Like a lot of the transactions we still do are on the internet. Like. Oh, I have to pay sure. my Netflix bill. It's just on the internet. It could just be ran taken right out of my Bitcoin wallet. Like they don't need instant settlement and transactions, which is what like Visa and MasterCard do, right? They, I swipe my MasterCard. Like, yep. He's got it. He paid for it. Good. Yeah. So, yeah I mean, even, even companies like, like Amazon and stuff like that, they're all built off the internet. The most powerful companies in the world that are all built off of the internet. It's, mm-hmm. it's kind of crazy to think that, but you know, people who harp on Jeff Bezos I and mean, he's got too much money. He has a great business. How many, but you, you keep telling me that, but you keep buying stuff from Amazon. <laughs> the government's never like, and I think I said this last to you last week, like the government's hasn't, or I should say Jeff Bezos has done more for me than the government ever has. Like he's given me Alexa. <laughs> he's given me, um, you know, he gives me packages two days in my house. He lets me buy things I didn't even know I needed. Um, you know, he, he offers me all kinds of great services. Like, what's the like, government gave me roads and yeah. some marginal education. <laughs> marginal and education. And really expensive college. Thanks. Thanks, government. I mean, I mean, Jeff Bezos gave me this mic I'm talking to right now. He's probably saved me on an anniversary or a birthday somewhere down the line. Christmas for sure. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going exactly. out in the snow. I'm just going to make sure the Amazon guy delivers to me. Yeah. Um, all right, well, I love, I love it. Hey, yeah, just take it right to my door, just put it in my house. You know, actually, will you wrap it for me? You, you probably do that too for, for free if you have Prime, yeah, for free. Who does have Prime? I mean, come on, uh, no, nah, I don't know. There's a lot of people, yeah. All right, well, let's right. stop. I mean, next question, right? How do I use Bitcoin? How would you use it, or how do you use it? What's it? Well, yeah, so most people are like, well, how do I use it if I want to go use it? Place like, well, you can use it just by holding it. That's what. That's what I say is like you're using it as a store of value. That's using it, holding it, and putting it in your portfolio, your bank account, whatever you want to say, but however you want to save money, but this should be one of your saving vehicles. Yeah, I usually give people four things. I say you can hold it, which we recommend. You could trade it, you could spend it, or you can leverage it. Those are really the four things you can do with it. We recommend holding it. Sure, you could trade it and make more of it. You can spend it. We alluded to you shouldn't spend it, but you can and buy it things on like we talked about Expedia or, or Subway or Etsy if you want to uh, you can leverage it a lot of people what I hear now are using it to leverage to buy things so like I have X amount of Bitcoin I'm actually going to put that in to be able to buy another house or buy another property like it's because it has value people are going to use it to leverage it so uh, like I said we, we, we recommend holding it yeah holding it is I think one of the, obviously it's the best way to use it because it provides value back to you which is great mm-hmm. you know that's, that's, that's the whole like I don't want to say like we we're owning this to kind of protect ourselves financially from the recklessness of the government. That's kind of what I do. Yeah. Think of football, like hold it I mean, holding it. When you hold something, like think of the two minute, like in the, in the fourth quarter, Tom Brady's uh, they're winning and they have the ball where they hold it. They're just going to run the ball the whole time. They're, I mean, they're using the clock. They're just essentially uh, wasting time until it becomes more valuable and then turns into a W that's kind of, I mean, that's a horrible yeah. example of Bitcoin, but you know, the longer you hold it, the more valuable it become when you do eventually sell it. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, final question. 
How much and when should I buy it? Should I buy now? How much? <laughs> this is your favorite question. I think we talked about this in our stock market podcast about dollar cost average and how you should be buying on Mondays and not at a price point. So I guess whatever you can spend in disposable income or however many times you can afford to do that throughout your paychecks or a month, that's, that's really the answer. When should you, how much and when should you buy, however much disposable income and whenever you want to go make that. That's what I'd say now, tomorrow, in a month, yeah. I buy it whenever, whatever, whatever equations in your mind. If you're like, hey, Fridays at four o'clock, do, do Friday at four o'clock. Just be consistent. So, so Grant, what do you do? When do you buy? Uh, I would say I buy twice a month. So as soon as I get a, a paycheck, I get paid on days. So it's like the seventh and twenty second. Uh, I would say whenever that seventh and twenty second is, the first thing I do is I take uh, a couple hundred dollars out of each paycheck and I put it right into Bitcoin. And then obviously I have other expenses in there that are all filtered out. But that's what I do. As soon as I get my paycheck, okay. I put it right towards Bitcoin. That way, if my money's kind of sitting in there for other things, I eventually blow it on more alcohol or just stupid things. Yeah, oh, we gotta still live our life. We can't put it all into Bitcoin. No, <laughs> but I would say invest um, at least twenty-five to thirty percent of each paycheck, and this is part of that investing. I, this is exactly part of that twenty to thirty percent. Mm-hmm. Um, so the same thing. I buy every Tuesday. Um, I just don't even look at it. I got it automated through Gemini. I buy five hundred dollars a week. That's what I do. And go. then don't get me wrong. I'm on Cash App. I just bought fifty bucks. Why? Well, because I wanted to. I wanted to show an example. I just wanted to do it. Um, and then from time to time, I spot buy, you know, when I see the price dip, you know, or something like that, if it dips back below 10, I'll probably pick some more up, you know, something like that. So I just, this is me kind of watching it, but mainly the, how I'm acquiring Bitcoin is just through dollar cost averaging every Tuesday using a, a service that will automatically buy it for me. People, people will lose their minds if they're following the cost of it, like a stock. You know, if it comes down to four hundred, then I'm gonna buy. Like, what if that never happens? Like, you, you shouldn't really bank on that. Or what if it does and you buy and it goes down to two hundred? What you should have been doing is just buying the whole time throughout the process and changing the average of when you bought it. And yeah, I agree with you completely. Pretty, it's a pretty yeah. short answer. It, well, that's all it's needed. Sometimes the best answers are short. What else you got for us? So we like to, to end every podcast talking about, you know, there's a ton of great resources out there. Uh, do your own research. We talk about books. Uh, not as many books have been published because of how new this is on Bitcoin. Some have, you know, the Bitcoin standard is one, but I'd almost recommend following a, a handful of industry leaders who talk about it every single day because Bitcoin is pretty revolutionary and changing pretty frequently. It's, you know, it's not as up to date as the last book. So, uh, you, you have some people that you would recommend following on Twitter or Instagram or what have you? Yeah, the, the, the number one guy I recommended to tell everybody to go follow is Preston Pish. Mm-hmm. Um, he is just incredibly smart. He's a former like aeronautical engineer, um, like or, or aero, I don't I don't even know if I said that word right, but um, now was a value investor, which is crazy. Like these guys used to be value investors, and now he's like harping on Bitcoin. Bitcoin's like the number one investment he has right now. Um, Anthony Papiano is also great. He does really well of like um, explaining things in very simple terms. I'm trying to like, we're trying to do, he's where I got the monopoly um, yeah. idea from. So checking these guys out and we, we tweeted them all in the, uh, in the final tweet of our thread. So go check them out there. Um, but like reading books, I can't say enough. Like, you know, I know you, you mentioned the Bitcoin standard. That's just a good framework. Go listen to that and you learn about the history of money in the first, like the first half of the book is the history of money. Like, so it's, it says the Bitcoin standard on it, but like, listen to it, like understand. He gets a little tangenty just like anybody does, but it's a phenomenal book that puts you 
in the mindset of understanding money because money is a really complicated topic at the end of the day. You know, people don't like to talk about it much. Um, it's a very weird concept if you think about it. That was we just take for granted. Uh, people hate talking about it. Even just think of what you work. I mean, people. How many people in your office know each other's salaries? It's just like you. I'm not going to tell anybody how much I make because what if they make more? What if they make less? I mean, money is just a super yeah. fragile topic that people are afraid of. Uh, I personally like the Winklevoss twins. Uh, I like it because they have a lot of skin in the game. Not only do I own a bunch of Bitcoin, but the Gemini, that's their creation. So I think anytime people put their money where their mouth is and create something, they, they oftentimes have a lot of a lot of equity and love to talk about. And, and they're just ahead of it. I mean, if you watch that social network, you would have thought those two dudes are weird. I thought the opposite. I was like, look at these guys. These guys are two, six foot four. There's two of them, six foot four Olympians. Uh, not only did they get had by Mark Zuckerberg, but they, I mean, they took their $600 million lawsuit and they turned it into a, a huge empire with Bitcoin being mm-hmm. at the front center of it. That's, uh, yeah, absolutely. I love the Winklevoss twins. They just put out that article. It's that leverage is mm-hmm. kind of what we just said at 500K Bitcoin. And that's based on um, you know, the stock to flow kind of you know eating the gold market cap up, which we think it will do. And I think it's uh, it's really good, really smart. Um I think they did a horrible job with Portland when they went on there. That was terrible. <laughs> that was so bad. I mean, come on, guys, have a game plan. You're talking about mining gold. I mean, I get what you're trying to say. Gold's infinite in the universe. Um, but let's maybe make it a little more comprehensible for the everyday person. You do yeah, a really good job of that. They had a pla- they had a platform, and I didn't feel like they used it to the best of their abilities. It maybe choked. because yeah, maybe because they were going into another man's house that has a lot of equity and a lot of people who follow him they want they didn't want to rub i don't know really what they were doing i thought they had a great opportunity and they missed on it it's especially to the common man like there's a lot of people that follow barstool sports like younger people and they just i, I didn't think they really seized that opportunity i mean the only way that that would work out in their favor is dave portnoy actually buying a bunch of bitcoin and just kind of telling his fan base to do it but he didn't, they didn't really educate them on why they should do it they should he just, you know, blindly led the blind. Yeah, they should have. I mean, like I said, I had a game plan. Like, we have these core topics in the Bitcoin community. You know, money printer go bird, like <laughs> inflation, um, fixed supply. And then we're talking about Elon mining gold, like from asteroids. Like, come on, guys. <laughs> well, yeah, there's a lot more things. Uh, the stimulus checks, where do those come from? And Bitcoin is a, is a fixed digital asset and this and that. And, like, really disappointed in them. Um, yeah there's no overall none of that yeah i agree it was it was a bummer i mean i I enjoyed the candor they had but i was like this is a pretty poor form of educating a a large group of people who don't really know what it is into something that could have gone viral immediately if you've done it yeah pretty dry overall yeah if you studied for it there could have been a huge they would have got it to 14 15 thousand in my opinion potentially but yeah and again, uh, to, you know, kind of wrap this up and keep with our theme, you know, I want people to be like, you know, oh man, you got so lucky when you owned all that Bitcoin. Well, no, luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity. So I, I got ready and I bought some Bitcoin. 